Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Ah, good morning, everyone. (laughs) So good to be here with y'all. So good to see your faces, some of your faces I've missed. Uh, I want to take a moment and just honor Sherry. (laughs) Sherry, will you stand up for a second? For those of you who don't know, um, 15, 16 years ago, we started our school of ministry, and she was in that first year class, trekking through the woods, (laughs) past the big dogs, (laughs) over the meadow, through the woods, to our house, bringing three or four of your friends, and just following the Lord when he said, go and go to the school, (laughs) and I've just watched her life be marked by following the Lord. And, you know, you follow the Lord, uh, this random invitation to Cameroon, and which led you to quit your practice and move your whole life to Cameroon and start Bethel Atlanta Cameroon School of Ministry. And, uh, and then to Kenya and now to Nigeria. And I just have watched your life be so marked by faithfulness to the voice of the Lord And I just watch step after step of obedience. And I just see the Lord with every step you take, just ripple effects through the ground of Africa. And you are such a beautiful extension of us. And the stories that happen um, from people that you've led and developed and trained, and they're the stories we tell here. Like Sako's testimonies are some of my absolute favorites to share because they're part of our story because you're part of our story. And so... It's just really a treat to have you in your home, and uh, we just celebrate you and honor you and thank you for just a life that's undivided and your undivided yes to Jesus and the kingdom. So thank you. Yeah, so good. Well, uh, I loved how Blake ended worship. I was feeling so similarly. I just felt his presence so strong during worship and this invitation to lay it all down. Like, he just keeps calling us to lay it down at his feet. And I just, I just feel this invitation time after time, like, will you come to the altar and lay it all down? And, and I, just, I just feel like he's baptizing us with fire when we do so. And I've just been praying for a baptism of fire. Today, um, I'm going to talk about money. Who's excited to talk about money? I like money. That's a good answer. Uh, I, I, uh, on Monday, I was in a staff meeting, and I was just sharing some of my thoughts from the Lord, and, and I just started talking about money, and, and I felt, oh, that's what I'm supposed to preach on on Sunday. And I had this moment with the Lord, and I was like, God, I'd love you to, I, I could rattle off in many different directions. I'd love you to make it clear what you want me to talk on. And unlike he's ever done, I was laying in bed talking to him one night this week, and he said, you want to talk about your sermon? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, get out your notes. I'm like, okay. And so I get my notes on my phone, and 
I just was hearing so much from him about money. And so I'm going to invite you into that conversation I had with him. How does that sound, everybody? Great. Okay. So this is all in, in the vein of can we align our thinking with his thinking? He, we've been invited, like the Lord's inviting us into a season of alignment, alignment with the ways of the kingdom. And he talks a lot about money. So it would be ridiculous for me to avoid that subject <laughs> because he cares about it, he brings it up, he talks about it, and he tells us how to approach it. And so uh, the first thing I heard the Lord say is abundance is a gift and a mindset. How you think about money is more important than what you have. And this mindset will determine how we manage ourselves. And I think when you hear abundance, you think, I think sometimes we'll think, oh, we got a lot. I don't think our abundance mindset is dictated by our circumstances. Our abundance mindset is, it's a mindset of excellence. It's a mindset of stewardship. It's a mindset of, of hope for the future as opposed to fear for the future. I love, my dad shares this story about visiting his grandparents' house, and it was a small house. It was, it was not a wealthy home, but it was always so neat and so excellently taken care of. And he remembers going to the fridge, and they always had ice-cold glass bottles of Coca-Cola. And I'm like, that is an abundant mindset. Like, it doesn't have to look like the biggest house on the street. It was like this small piece, many small pieces of excellence that would combine for this kid to remember it by. Like, that's an abundant mindset. I, we, you know, Brent and I, we talk, we, money's, we talk about it often. <laughs> and we've had seasons where we have a poverty mindset when we circumstantially have a lot. And, and it's one of those, you know, Brent has been um, in commission sales for like 99% of our marriage. And so literally every day is a fresh start. Like, will I get paid today? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> and, and we've had seasons where we're like, wealth, like we, we have enough, we have more than enough. And we still have that thought, when's the other shoe going to drop? Is this going to be okay? Are we going to make it? And so literally, that mindset has nothing to do with what my bank account says. We actually have the ability to affect our life with how we think. And how we think is more important than the circumstances at play. Abundance looks like generosity. It looks like stewardship. It looks like contentment. It looks like a spirit of excellence. I can have an abundant mindset in preparing for my children's Christmas, and it doesn't have to look like the biggest Christmas. I can dream into, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a treasure hunt for them to find their present? There are ways to think outside of the box that don't look like the best, the biggest, the nicest, the brightest. On the contrary, a poverty mindset, it looks like jealousy. It looks like a fear of the future. It's like, oh, I'm not going to have enough. It's that hoarding feeling that we've all had. Oh, I got I to gotta bring it all in. 
And so he cares about this. And if he cares about it, I care about it. And so I would just, I think everyone has a sentiment in their heart when they hear the word money. (laughs) So I would ask you today, like, okay, God, like, be open to whatever he's going to say to you. My, My hope is that he just speaks and drops little nuggets into each of our, our lives. And it could be something different across the board. And so in this whole season of alignment where the Lord's saying, hey, align your ways with the kingdom of God. <laughs> like, be willing to, to be called out. I'll share stories of me getting called out, okay? So let the Lord, invite the Lord to be that measuring line, that auditing line of like, oh, your thoughts about this aren't right. Oh, okay, let me adjust. Okay, can y'all do that with me? Sorry, wrong pipe. Okay, so he cares about our money. It often points to who is Lord of our life. And so I I heard the Lord say this. He said, um, Matthew 6, 24, You can't serve two masters. So I heard him say this when I'm just talking to him. He said, you can't serve two masters, Lauren. And and he reminded me. So on Tuesday this week, I I got four pieces of bad news in about ten minutes. And they were all something I could worry about financially. So in the course of ten minutes, I went from being really good to being really bad. (laughs) And my insides felt like a wrestling match. And I felt frantic. I went from peaceful, like, let me enjoy my coffee, to frantic on the inside. And, and the Lord, he was reminding me, he's like, Lauren, who's the Lord of your life? I would never have thought that myself. So this verse, Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I'm in this. I'm in like crazy anxiety on my insides. I'm super composed on the outside because I value that. So I look like nothing's wrong, but I feel like everything's wrong. (laughs) And the Lord said, Lauren, anxiety is a thief. (laughs) He said, he said, anxiety steals your effort and it steals your energy. And he said, that anxiety left no space for you to ask me what I thought about that money. And, and I felt like this like instant conviction of the Holy Spirit. So you know what the next verse after Matthew 6, 24 is? So he says, you can't serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put it on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I had no idea that verse followed, but I am literally sitting there and God's saying, you're serving, you're serving money when you are giving room for this anxiety in your, in your gut. Like, you have an option here, Lauren. Are you going to serve God and ask him what he thinks and invite him into it? Or are you serving money and letting anxiety take all the space that he could touch? I felt such conviction because, you know, we can honestly sometimes call anxiety wisdom. <laughs> I'm just being responsible. 
I'm just, I just really care. <laughs> I didn't care enough to ask him. <laughs> but it's real easy. It was a really slippery slope, and it happened in 10 minutes. And, and I, I just don't think it's on accident that he says, who are you going to serve? Be anxious about nothing. <laughs> who are you going to serve? Be anxious about nothing. And currently, y'all, I keep finding myself time and time again in the middle. This is my new least favorite place that I find myself. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the problem and the promise. I'm in the middle of it with my health. I'm in the middle of it with my money. <laughs> and the Lord, I, he's doing a thing in the middle. And he, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, God, am I allowing these problems to invite me into alignment? Am I looking at these problems like, oh, that's an opportunity. <laughs> that's an opportunity to adjust. I, without, without seeing that, I don't see the problem that I need to adjust on my insides. And, and I, I, it's a season of refining. He's refining us into alignment with his ways and his thoughts because they don't look like our ways and our thoughts. So in this middle, I'm in the middle of, okay, we're starting, a, me and Brent, we're starting a business. It's challenging. It's pulling on my trust and my faith and my finances and my savings <laughs> and the promise. Oh, God, you have a word over our life to be starting businesses and being successful and employing people and watching them thrive. So I'm in the middle because that's not happening yet. And that kind of feels real. I'm watching friends be in the middle of like, ah, I'm hearing the Lord say this, but the problem feels really real. But Lord, you said this is my reality. And they're here, like navigating the middle. <laughs> you know, I'm watching our church <laughs> We have a word, debt-free by 23. We're not out of debt yet. We have six weeks left of 23. <laughs> Holding attention, the word, the, the problem, <laughs> the promise. Um, my dad got a word uh, from Michael Maiden, but it's for us too. And it was a handful of years ago. And in the word, he said, Steve, you and Lindy are going to get out of debt in two and a half years in, by this whatever year summer. And after that, your kids will follow and your church will follow. And that word, that first part is true. It came true. The summer that he was declared, you're going to be debt-free by this time, it happened. That's the promise. <laughs> yeah, that's our promise. We should hold on to that one. Like, yes, if, you know, I want that personally as a kid and I want that personally as a for our corporate body and and I'm thinking okay I'm between the two I'm between the reality of a a big church mortgage and a promise of us being debt free <laughs> uh, now if you don't have prophetic promises over your life 
ask a friend to prophesy over you. <laughs> Just ask a neighbor, sign up for a prophetic appointment. And also, like, the word is full of promises that are ours. <laughs> it says, for those who are faithful with a little, he'll be giving you more to be faithful with. It says, look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil in vain. Look how the Lord provides for them. Like, these are our promises that we get to stand on with or without a prophetic word over our life. And so, I want my declarations to match what he is saying. I have to line my language up with heaven, with the heavens, with the, with the kingdom alignment. What are you saying, Lord? Let me match my declarations to what you're saying. And so... When I'm in, so my declaration for this in-between middle that we love is when I'm between the promise and the problem, I'm real with where I'm at, and I declare the promises. I'm, I'm not denying the reality. I have a testimony of a friend, and years ago we did a Dave Ramsey class here, and this family, um, they, were not, they were not making it great, and they they go to the Dave Ramsey class, and they realize that they need $100,000 a year to live on, and they were making 50000 But before, so then they, they look at this, and they're like, how are we surviving with this huge discrepancy? And they were able to look at the, the problem, like, oh, we need to double our income. Before, like, the Lord was providing a miracle for their family that they were making it, when they needed twice what they were making it with. And before they looked at it, the problem, they didn't have the opportunity to look at the promise. I know that often in our money, like it's easy for me to like not want to look at it out of fear. Like when we were, when we had rougher seasons, we're like, oh, I don't want to open that. I don't want to open bankofamerica.com. Like I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see the reality. If we're not looking at the reality, we're not going to experience the promise fulfilled. We can't hide our, our face from reality. If I don't go to a doctor <laughs> because I don't want to know the problem, how am I going to know when I have a miracle? If I don't get an MRI <laughs> to show lesions, how am I going to know when I have an MRI that shows no lesions? There's a value for standing in the middle and looking at it, looking at that problem, and knowing the promise is still to come. And I get to hold my faith with my reality. So we get to do this. We get to hold them both in tension. We get to stand in the middle with returning to the goodness of God. Like we can't stand in, it's fair to look at the problem. If I land there, that's not going to be great for anybody. <laughs> Let me just wallow in the problem and never get out of it. I have to look at the problem and look at the promise and return to his goodness. Okay, this is who you are, God. You're the one who clothes the lilies of the field. You're the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You're the one who's our healer. You're the one who delivers. You're the one who answers the promises over my life. That's where I return to. So my declaration is when I'm in between the promise and the problem, I'm real with where I'm at and still declare the promises. I felt the Lord say, I'm laying a table before you in the presence of your enemies. 
my enemies of fear, my enemies of unbelief, my enemies of fill in the blank. He's laying a table before us. And there's an invitation to feast on his goodness before the enemies. There's an invitation to feast on what he's done in your life before the enemies at the table the Lord has prepared. And, you know, I think of our church's history. And for the first 15 years, we, um, we really had very few money concerns. Like we, we had crazy financial favor. We were saving every year. Um, like that is, I don't know that many churches from zero to 15 have that as their story. Like that's a crazy testimony over our house. So when I'm feasting before the Lord, <laughs> I'm reminding myself and the enemy that's listening, <laughs> you know, God, wow, you're so faithful. Wow, isn't it wild that we had 15 years of a startup church with no financial challenges? Isn't it wild that we were saving about $100,000 every year from the earliest days of starting this church? Isn't it wild how faithful you've been? Like, this is what feasting at the table before my enemies looks like. You know, it's, it's me and Brent, we're talking. Remember, remember going to Reading as newlyweds that were totally broke? <laughs> Remember we came home for the summer to try to make some money and work real jobs for a minute? Because <laughs> we, we, you know, when you're out there, you're going to school from 12 to 6 every day. So, you know, we're doing crazy hours and crazy jobs. And, um, and we came home, and we had this random house under contract for a whole year because, I don't know, it was in foreclosure or something weird. So we buy it when we get home that summer, and then we flip it like instantly, but we've been gone for a year, and the, the, the price of houses have gone up. So we flipped something and, and made $16,000 overnight, and that's what we lived on the second year of school. So I'm feasting with the Lord, like, oh, remember that year that we could live on $16,000? <laughs> Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> I'm going to tell real numbers today because real numbers matter, okay? <laughs> We tell the whole story around here. <laughs> so, in front of, the, when we're having a table laid before us in the presence of our enemies, I feel like the Lord's inviting us to remember. He's inviting us to remind myself and remind God of his promises. God, you're the faithful one. <laughs> you're the one who has these promises over my life. I'm, remind, I'm, I'm strengthening myself in the Lord. And he also says to speak to the mountains. He says, you tell that mountain to go there to there, it'll do it, even with a mustard seed of faith. <laughs> so we should be speaking to our finances. We should be speaking over, okay, I just bless our city. I bless these companies. I bless these new businesses. I pray for people to be able to get into homes. <laughs> like, we need to be praying over 
the areas that we, our feet go. Like this is, we have an authority because this is our city. We pray for Babylon to prosper and it prospers. We, there's a call over our house to match our declarations to the kingdom of heaven. And when we prosper, our city prospers, our state prospers. Like it is our responsibility we have to raise, raise our hope, raise our expectancy, and raise to the challenge. When it doesn't look like heaven, we're, we need to align our words with heaven. <laughs> when it doesn't look like it should, instead of being grumbly, which I am sometimes, we have to change our language. I, I loved how we were praying during our offering today. We have to be praying from heaven. Yeah. So my declaration in this one is when in the presence of my enemies, be it fear, be it unbelief, I will feast on his faithfulness and the testimonies. We are also people who sow in famine. <laughs> so there's this crazy story in Acts, and if you blink, you'll miss it. But it's in Acts 11, 11 verse 27. In those days, some of the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted through the spirit that a great famine would sweep across the whole world. Whole world. So the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to send relief. They're sending money to the elders with Barnabas and Saul. Sorry, they're sending relief. I missed a line. Decided to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. They did this, sending their gifts to the elders with Barnabas and Saul. Okay, so they get a word from the Lord that says, famine's coming. <laughs> and they give. The famine was coming to them. It was coming to the world. It wasn't specific to Judea. But they actually said, oh, we're going to sow into Judea. Because that's where they received the gospel from. And there's an invitation to what do we do when there's famine? I mean, we've lived through some like, you know, when snow is coming when there's the threat of half an inch of snow, we go to the grocery store and buy all the milk. We have a little bit of a hoarder mentality. Myself included. But like, you want to like make sure you have the toilet paper. You want to make sure you have the milk. You want to make sure you're fine. That is not a sow-in-famine mindset. A mindset of sowing-in-famine says, God, things are tight. What are you having me do? What are you telling me to sow into? There's a, I'm definitely not saying go in debt to sow, but I am saying when that, when that sentiment of a poverty mindset, the fear of not having enough comes upon me, where do I go? Do I go inward or do I go out, outside of myself? Like, there's an invitation <laughs> that the Lord's inviting us all into is, can we not look like the world here? Can we look different? Can we respond differently? Can we say, oh, I'm feeling lack, I'm feeling scared. Okay, I'm responding in the opposite spirit. This is a testimony of this house as well. Um, I would say it was five or six years ago. Money felt a little tight. Um, we were fine, but... It just felt tighter than we were used to. And the, we felt the prompting of the Lord to start giving away a portion of our offering 
each month. In addition to, we always give to missionaries and um, and and Bethel Redding. We've we've been giving to the last handful of years, but this felt like an above that gift. And so, as a staff, we were we were tight, and I think it was close to 10% of our monthly income. We it felt like Christmas. We were like, who are we supposed to give to this month? Who are we writing a $10,000, $15,000 check to today? It was wildly exciting and nerve-wracking because you're like, okay, the t- finances feel a little tighter than I'm comfortable with. Um, and we were writing checks to whoever the Lord laid on our heart. We were able to give to a missionary or two. We were able to give to um, Chris Oliver's church. We were able to, like, sow in lack. <laughs> it was powerful and scary. <laughs> and we weren't in that season for very long. It was probably six months of that. And and, and we, we put something in our soil that says, hey, we're people that sow in lack. We're the people that don't shrink back when we're scared. We're the people who step out when we're scared. And yeah, it was it was really a fun time. I feel the Lord though, he's inviting our body to draw a line in the sand. I feel it's shaking everywhere. You know, it's one thing when you have one friend that's going through it and then the next month you're going through it but they're not going through it and they can pull you up. I feel like it's a lot of shaking in a lot of different layers of people I know. <laughs> and, and I felt the Lord say, okay, draw a line in the sand. Like, put, put down a today is a new day. <laughs> and and I, I felt like he's, he reminded me of Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And I feel us being like, okay, we are people who respond with the opposite spirit. We are people who remember his promises. We are people that don't shrink back under the shaking, but we step forward. We respond with the eyes of the kingdom. We respond and align ourselves, our thoughts, and our beliefs with what he says is true, not with what my circumstances say are true. And so... um, He's doing it. I, he's inviting us. I, I saw a picture this morning of him just saying, will you step into it? Will you step into it? Will you step into it? It's, it can be a new day. It can be a new day. Me and Brent, I think it was f- three Saturdays ago, we were, you know, having a rough Saturday. <laughs> just like, oh. You know, it's one of those days you're like getting rid of like a thousand leaves. And you're like, is this what our life's come to? <laughs> Oh, this is all we do on our day off. We're just getting rid of leaves. It's terrible. What are we doing with our life? Like, and, you know, it's just like, oh, can we just pay a yard man? Like, you know, you were there. And, um, and, and we were like, oh, we were kind of like navel gazing and frustrated. <laughs> and, uh, and we were like, nope, we got to draw a line in the sand. Okay. We're doing what he says. We're going to respond to the opposite spirit. We're not going to live with shrinking. We're going to live with steps forward. We, like, drew on our calendar. Okay, November 4th, it's a new day. Like, today's a new day. We can, be, we can go forward and not backward. 
We can be counterculture. <laughs> we can step out when others shrink back. And that could be anything. It could be, you know, my neighbors haven't had a date night in six months. I'm going to watch their kids. Like that is a sign of an abundant mindset. I have an evening to give. I will invite your kids over and give y'all a date night. Like there's so many creative ways. It doesn't, it doesn't have to look like one way or the other. So when I'm in lack, this is my declaration, when I'm in lack, when I feel the financial strain, <laughs> I actively look to see where the Lord is asking me to sow. When I feel the pressure, I'm looking, where do you want me to sow? When there's famine, we are people who sow. Are we those people? Great. Okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> Talking to the right crowd. Um, so I feel the Lord is just building a history with me. And I think he's building a history with each of us. It just sometimes takes, like, looking at it and, like, spending time with the Lord. Okay, remind me my history. And so when I'm preaching, I get the, the luxury of just kind of brewing on something for an extended time. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit of our, our home history, me and Brent's. And um, 14 years ago, we were living in mom and dad's basement with a brand new baby ready to buy a house. I'm going to tell you numbers, and you're going to gawk because they were so cheap. I'm sorry. <sighs> and we wanted this house, and it was a wonderful house, and it was, it was like caught up in some court system, so we couldn't even get an offer into it. Um, it was $120,000. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> but I'm telling all the numbers because I think it, it, it paints a picture. And so we, we, couldn't, we couldn't get an offer in. It was super weird, but we're like, this is in our price range. <laughs> like, it's the only house that's in our price range. Let's get this house. And so we just started doing some prophetic acts, you know, because we believe those, are, those work and they do. And so we took corn and we walked this property that was not ours, <laughs> throwing corn, making declarations like, God, give us this property, give us this house, this is our house. And lo and behold, we got the house. <laughs> He shows up every time. So we moved into this house um, as, as a couple years married with a new baby and fixed it up. And, um, and then a handful of years later, we were like, okay, it's time to move to a new house. Like, we'll, we're moving from our starter home to the next house. And so we, we uh, purchased this house that was 340000 So we went from a $120,000 mortgage to a $340,000 mortgage, which felt really scary. Like, it felt like this giant step. And, um, and Brent, in our house, is, it had, like, a basement. So from the back, it looks really tall. It's, like, three stories. And you're like, oh, my gosh, we just moved into this big house. Can we afford this? Like, we're doing all that sort of thing. And, and the Lord told Brent, okay, Brent, you're never going to go back to those feelings of, like, oh, will we make it? You know, will we make it? And uh, in the same vein, I was like, babe, I think we're going to pay this house off. <laughs> so he's like struggling with, can we make these payments? I'm very nervous. And I've, I, the Lord said something to me. He's like, you're going to pay this house off in seven years. I'm like, okay. Like this is a crazy big jump in our little world. And, um, and we're like, okay, God, what, what, we're going to partner with this. And it, it wasn't like we got these massive checks or this great inheritance. We were just really faithful month after month after month to try to pay this house off. And um, 
seven years later, we paid off this house, which is a miracle, and debts paid off, praise you, Jesus. And, you know, in the middle of that, we're having, like, seasons where we're making no money. <laughs> like, we're commissions world, and we had a year that we paid Brent's secretary more money than he made. So it cost us money to work that year. So, I mean, it's not, it, it, it's kind of a wild miracle, you know, we're like, oh, God is taking care of us in the middle of all the hard. And we really attributed that, we're like, oh, I think it's the tithing. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense, how we're okay. <laughs> these, these, on paper, this doesn't, this doesn't work out. And, but we, we've, we've always been like, no, God, we, we tithe before we do anything, no matter what the circumstances are. We give 10%. And I remember that the end of that year, we were like, God, there's no way. We paid your secretary $16,000 for you to go to work this year, <laughs> and we're still fine. And it just felt like, a, you know, the kindness of the Father. So back to the second home. We paid it off um, after seven years. And, and the reason I'm telling you the story is because now I feel like we're in maybe a third home this church home, and I feel like the Lord keeps expanding the tent pegs and expanding the faith walk and expanding the money. Like, we went from, do you trust me for a $120,000 house? Do you trust me for a $340,000 house? Do you trust me for a $3 million building? Like, he's building a history with us where he says, will you trust me? Will you be faithful in the little, and I'm going to give you more, and I'm going to give you more. And I felt this crazy conviction of the Holy Spirit. Last Thursday, I was on a call, and um, I get to be on these calls with church leaders all over the world. It was a Bethel leader call. And, um, and I'm hearing these testimonies. And uh, Dave Harvey, who facilitates the call, he said, Bill Johnson woke up from an encounter with the Lord. And in the encounter, he heard, this is a season of the cancellation of debt. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, I want to respond to this. And I felt immediate conviction like, okay, we also have a word over our house that says debt-free by 23. I have not partnered with that to the extent that I need to. <laughs> I've been in the tension of, that's just a lot of debt, God. I had faith for my $120,000 house. I don't know about this $3 million house. And I felt this conviction of the Lord like, oh, where's your faith? <laughs> I, be faithful with a little, and then he'll give you more. <laughs> and so we're in the call. We hear this. And then Joaquin, who is um, Joaquin and Renee, they're Bethel Austin's pastors. And Joaquin says, it's the wildest thing. We have this debt to pay off and a time frame to pay it off for all of our reno uh, renovations for our building. And it was, I think it was $524,000. And that week, he got a check for $524,000. I want to cheer for what? Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Do it again. And so I'm hearing this testimony of, of Bill saying it's a season of the cancellation of debts. And the next second I'm hearing, yeah, we just got a $524,000 check to pay off this debt at Bethel Austin. 
And I felt this invitation of the Lord, where's my faith? <laughs> where are you calling us to? Are, where are you inviting us to stand in the tension of the reality and the promise? And I, I just feel this holy invitation that says, stand in the middle. <laughs> stand on the promises. Stand on the testimonies. Stand on the fact that you've paid off that $120,000 house and you paid off the $340,000 house. What are we doing for this house? <laughs> He's in it. He's in it. And, and it's okay that I feel the tension of, wow, that's a great big deal, that big price tag. Wow. That, the reality that we're living in is, is, a, is a tight season. It's a, it's a challenging season. It, but I, I get a... I get to stand really strong in the middle. And you get to stand really strong in the middle. Because he's actually there in the middle. Like, I feel his nearness in the tension. I feel his nearness saying, hey, I'd love to walk with you through this. I'd love to walk with you through your unbelief. I'd love to walk with you through your uncertainty. I'd love to walk with you through the promises. I'd love to help you remember the promises. I'd love to help you remember the stories over your life that are actually setting you up for today. Like our lives, our stories, he wastes nothing. He gets you ready. He gets you ready for right where you are. So wherever you are, he's right there. He's near in the middle. And so... We all have this rich history with the Lord. And I'm just, I'm just reminding myself to pull on it. Can I pull on where you've, where you've seen me through over all these years and what you've gotten me ready for? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I want to remind myself and you, we are putting declarations with all all of these things in our life right now. Any area that the, Lord, that the Lord's poking on that says, that's not aligning with the way I think. Like, put it on your lips. Change the way you think. So when I'm in lack, I actively look to see where the Lord is asking me to sow. When in the presence of my enemies, be it fear, be it unbelief, I'm going to feast on his faithfulness and feast on the testimonies. When I'm between the promise and the problem, I'm real with where I'm at, and I'm going to declare his promises. When I'm faced with lack, I choose to serve the Lord and invite him to influence the way I think. So do this. Whatever the Lord's saying right now to you, write a declaration. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Speak it over your life. <laughs> you know, we're speaking about paying off our house for seven years. We're going to pay this house off. I'm saying it with fear and trembling in the beginning. And then when you get like, you know, 10% away, you're like, we're paying this house off. We're going to do this. This is going to happen. And, and I have to know where I start to know the promise at the end, <laughs> that it's actually getting fulfilled, not by happenstance. Huh, what do you know? We paid off our house. That would be a huge, a huge loss. <laughs> To have not marked where we began, what we felt like in the beginning, and where we're going. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy to be like, oh, that was nice. We paid off our house. Like, 
that would be a miss of sharing what the Lord has done in our life. It would be a miss to not accurately account for where we started. So I'm accurately accounting for where we are as a church. Hey, we have crazy prophetic words about being debt-free. Debt-free by 23. Your dad's going to pay off his debt, and then this church is going to, your families and churches are going to follow. We got promises to stand on. We got, you know, Bill Johnson over Bethel Church, who we are a Bethel Church, saying, it's the season of the cancellation of debt. I'm partnering with that. <laughs> but I'm also super aware of the reality <laughs> that it's a hard season. So I'm standing in the middle, and I'm going to fall back on his goodness. I'm going to land on his faithfulness. I can, look at the, I can look at the reality, but here I am in the end. Okay, you're good. I'm going to partner with those promises. I'm going to partner with those testimonies. And, and we're going to see that promise. We're going to see this building paid off. We're going to see debts paid off. You know, we literally have every part of that offering reading has come to pass in our life. With the exception of, which one? <laughs> oh, the one, the settlements. We haven't really had many settlements. Everything about that offering reading has come to pass through the declared word and partnering with it. So, let's be those people who look wildly different than the world. <laughs> let's be those people who partner with heaven's thoughts versus the circumstances in front of us. Let's be the people with an abundant mindset regardless of what's in front of us. Let's be those people who look reality in the face and still call that which, what, which is not as though it is. Call forth the promise into, the, into now. Okay? So I'm going to pray. Jesus, we just say, let us be those people, God. Let us be a company of believers who don't look like the world. Let us look like kingdom believers, believing believers who partner our faith with your reality, who partner our faith with your promises, people who draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to shrink in famine. I'm going to sow in famine. I'm going to be a sower in famine. God, I ask for just, for all of us to be powerful declarers of whatever you are telling us. <laughs> Let us put the word on our lips. Let us be declarers of the promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.